Hello, this is Megan Chapa of the Travel Radio Podcast with a quick announcement section before we start the episode. It has been very long since we put an episode out, and by we, I mean me, and I apologize for that. Um, It's just been a really crazy family time with many days spent in hospital and many more spent in doctor's offices combined with a two-week child school break, two-week husband traveling, and a microphone failure. I don't even know what else. Lots of stuff. If it could happen, it happened. So um, my apologies for the delay, but we have some great stuff coming up this week. And then for the next uh, foreseeable future, we've got great interviews lined up. And by we, I guess I'm just going to include my guests as the we, so that I'm not talking just by myself. Um, And let me tell you a little bit about the guests coming up. One is Joe Sanuk. Joe Sanuk is the host of the Practice of the Practice podcast, which is a podcast geared towards counselors and those um, sort of mental health practitioners. But the reason he's joining us in the podcast is to talk about uh, planning a trip for your family if you have a wild child or maybe someone that you would say is a troubled youth or something along those lines. And the purpose of that is that you really can take them on trips and it can be enjoyable for the whole family, but let's look about ways to mitigate some of the things that might trigger some of their bad behaviors and how to set good expectations for everyone. Uh, then another guest I have coming up I'm excited about is Catherine Parker Magier or Magyar. I apologize, Catherine, I'm butchering your name. But she has written for Forbes, Architectural Digest, a whole bunch of places, and she just got back from some time in the Caribbean, and it's going to be really exciting to talk to her about destinations for people who are well-traveled. Maybe it'll give you some additional ideas of where to go. And then the last one I want to talk about coming up is Judy Yerza. We'll be back on the program. And Judy's going to be back on the program to talk about um, an Easter pilgrimage, a path that... Um, that's significant to the Catholic and Christian faiths um, over the Easter holiday. And that will come out, you know, in an appropriate time. And then, I don't know, I think the other news that we have is there's a quiz section now on TravelRadioPodcast.com where I've added some really neat quizzes that I built and I have a couple more coming up that are exciting. I just have to get some time to finish them. And then um, we have a newsletter that I'm hoping to put out, but I need some people to sign up for it. So you can go ahead and do that on the website and also on Facebook. So that is what I know. And I hope you enjoy this week's podcast with Joni Wu. Please listen to the food section because we go from luxury to chicken butt really fast. Okay, have a great day. Bye-bye. Hello and welcome to Travel Radio Podcast. I am your host, Megan Chapa, and today's topic is luxury travel for the young professional with Joni Wu. Welcome to the podcast, Joni. Thanks so much for having me today, Megan. Joni, would you take a minute to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, Hi, everyone. I'm Joni. I'm a luxury travel consultant based in Orange County, California with Lux Travel. I grew up in Oregon and found my way down to Southern California and loved it so much that kind of just never left. So still here. Perfect. I hear that you are a big Instagrammer. Can you point listeners to your Instagram page so if they want to scroll along as we're talking, they can? Yep. 
So you can search Instagram for Joni G Wu. It's J O N I G W U, and you'll find my page. It's mostly just travels, and you know I'm love to just post about pretty places, and hopefully have you know some inspiration for people to go to some of the places I've been. Awesome. Is there anywhere else you want people to know about before we move on? Um, you can go to travelsense.org and find my page there. Um, I've got my contact there if you want to reach out to me, but I think we'll probably cover that towards the end as well. Yep. And we can put that in the show notes so that if you are on travelradiopodcast.com, this will be the episode. Um, well, just, you could also go to the guest section and see Joni Wu, or you can look for luxury travel. It's going to be in the top episodes, depending on what week you're listening to, if it's the most recent, but you'll find it. And uh, you can click in the show notes and see her uh, contact information and all the ways to look at her pages. So there you go. Um, Okay, so let's talk about, well, before we talk about your specialty, I like to talk travel gadgets. And not all of my guests like to talk about travel gadgets, but you have some, and I'm excited to hear what you have to talk about. So let's, let's find out what you're carrying with you on your travels for 2019. Okay, so I don't know so much about gadgets in the techie type. I think probably the only one that's a must-have for me is a portable power bank. I use my phone for everything. Mm. You know, it's part of my job to be accessible to my clients and my suppliers. Um, But I also use my phone for photos and editing on flights. So my battery drains crazy. Sure. So it's important that I have a big one that I can, you know, hold several charges and I don't know if, you know, people who have them, it takes forever to charge them mm-hmm. too. So I like that it's fast and that's probably like tech wise, my most like must have. And I forgot one is really important too, is that like chapstick. So I use the fresh one, you know, it's like a little maroon tube. It's so good. It just keeps your lips moisturized throughout the flight and mm. it feels, feels like super luxurious too. So, you know, it'll last for a really long time. Nice. I don't know the fresh one, but I do really like lip glosses. So send me that information. I want that, but that's good. I will definitely. Yeah. I also saw this Kickstarter cause I'm, I frequently go on Kickstarter for travel gadgets and there mm-hmm. is a, it looks like a small bottle of, I mean, similar to, it looks something kind of like a small Dolce & Gabbana bottle, like a square bottle, it, but it's hand mm-hmm. sanitizer, but each, each one is oh. supposed to have like 10,000 pumps in it or something, but I wish that you could smell them ahead of time because they are some pretty distinct scents, but I, okay. I and they're, but they're like two and a half ounces or something. So you can take them on an airplane. And when I get into an airplane, I have like hand wipes, like not just hand sanitizer, but the like antibacterial wipes. And I mm-hmm. wipe my area and my husband's area and the kids down totally 100%. And I tell you, it's always like the, I use like 10 of these wipes, like half a package and they come off black. It's so gross. Ew. Yeah. I mean, I wipe the I have heard that. Like it's. Yeah. Super gross. Yeah. I've heard that it's super dirty, like on those planes. And I feel, you know, my flight attendant friends are probably going to be upset at me, but um, I've I've heard that it's just filled with germs. And you get, you know, we all get sick on the They don't have time. When do they have time to yeah, do that? Yeah, true. 
those planes are never yeah, like, when in you're... enough downtime to actually wipe them. And also, yeah, I think have... they have like 45 minutes to turn it over or something like that. Yeah. And maybe it feels like even less than the, some of the flights I've been on recently. It, and it's like, God, like people take some responsibility, wipe your own area down. So anyway, yeah. so I'm going to say throw one. some hand wipes in there and you're good. So that's <laughs> okay. Yeah. Noted. There you go. All right. Well, thanks for sharing those. Uh, well, let's move right along to you, the star of the podcast today. How did you find yourself coming from Oregon in California and then working in the travel industry? I think my story is pretty similar to a lot of others that I've heard that came from like a corporate background or, you know, mm-hmm. professional services background. Um, and it's really that passion that kind of just led me there organically. Um, I was working in media and inter- in entertainment. And then I went back to school to get my MBA at USC. So I was working full time, going to school, and I was just so busy. Then after I graduated, I got recruited from for Disney, um, working in new store development at Disney stores, yeah, corporate. Exciting. And then, yeah, it was it was great. I mean, I loved working there, um, but I was commuting like an hour and a half each way mm, mm. to Pasadena from Orange County. Mm. Um, so I then um, applied for an internal like you know transfer to Parks and Resorts, doing commercial real estate down at Downtown Disney. Oh, and so I was. Um, yeah, like managing that projects and, you know, new projects for the parks and third parties. Like, you know, we had like Sephora, Starbucks, mm-hmm. these parties that operate on Disney-owned land. Um, and it was great. You know, it's like a dream job for people to work at Disney. Um, but, you know, I just kind of found that I had kind of free time because I wasn't going to school and I just had a full-time job. And I'd already given up, like, you know, watching TV and the things I used to do and yep, <laughs> sleep. Yep. Sleep and sleep. Okay. So I, yeah. So I, I kind of just was bored, I guess. And I love to travel, you know. So I would put together a bunch of trips for people, my friends, and I would go on trips. And I just loved talking about it and mm-hmm. posting pictures and stuff. And so people would just come to me and, and ask for advice, and I would like make their whole itinerary for them and tell them where to go, where to eat, and um. I really enjoyed that and mm-hmm. I was obviously just doing it for free for friends and family and stuff. And then when like people I didn't know started coming to me, like family, like family friends and friends of friends. And I was like, maybe I should just do this on the side. Like I was totally like in the mindset of everybody books, everything online, like travel agents are a dying industry and yeah. a dying profession. Um, you know, but I was just doing this fun. And then the more I did it, the more I started to see that people valued this service that mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. needed somebody that they trusted um, and were really willing to pay for it. I sure. just didn't know how that worked. Like, I'm not going to charge my friends and family, you know, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how can I make a living off of this? And the more I thought about it, I just thought if I can do it in a luxury capacity, I was learning that, you know, I'm making commissions. And if I can do high-end bookings, I don't really have to charge people, um, but I'm still getting compensated for my time and my efforts. And um, I kind of just saw, like, this could be an opportunity and went for it. (laughs) Yeah, and for listeners who are consumers and don't have a travel Mm -hmm. professional, 
um, you should know that most travel professionals don't charge fees because they're essentially an outside sales professional and they're being paid by the resort, by the cruise line or, or whatever product it is you're interested in. And their role is to advise you and they should be advising you in a way that is trustworthy that they want to earn your business for life. And so, um, all that to say, it's fun to plan travel. If you don't have time to plan travel, there are qualified people out there like Joni who, you know, you're getting the same price. Maybe you're even getting a better deal and their advice is free and they want to be your advisor for life. So there you go. How'd I do Joni? That was great. Perfect. Nice. All right. Oh, can- I could add on to that. Though. Okay, please have at it. Go for it. It's your show. <laughs> yeah. So I agree with that, you know, a hundred percent, especially when it comes to doing packages or, you know, hotels, because, you know, we know the properties, we've, uh, the good advisors, at least, you know, will have connections. Like I know the sales reps that most of the properties that I work with. And if I don't know them, I know how to reach them and, you know, establish a relationship. So Mm -hmm. I'm able to do a lot for my clients, but there are parts where I just have to say that there are some fees associated. Mm -hmm. There are some times where we do have to mark up, you know, certain things because um, there's so much time involved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like if you are doing itinerary planning, you know, people, if you're doing it yourself, you put in hours just to figure out how to get from place to place. And yeah, like we have knowledge of the logistics and things to make it easier, but still working with our clients and getting to know what it is that they want to do and see and planning that out and figuring all of that out takes a lot of time. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there are times when we're doing, you know, custom complex itinerary planning where fees do come into play. So, um, you know, I want to be upfront about that. Absolutely. And then um, same with airlines. So um, some ticketing, like just as an agency, you know, perspective, we do have to put on ticketing fees um, because we're managing that flight. We're managing the schedule. Somebody on the back end is making sure, you know, you're not, you know, delayed and, and notifying you for these things. And you've got this extra service piece. So, um, so for airline tickets, a lot of times there yes. will be like a fee on top of it, but it is very transparent. Yep. Great. So let's talk about why clients would choose to use a travel professional such as yourself. Yeah. So I mostly work and it, it's kind of been crazy because in the beginning, I kind of thought that the people who are using, you know, an advisor would be the baby boomers, the people who've been using them. Like I never thought that young people would be interested in that way or maybe be able to think that they would afford, you know, luxury experiences and want to use somebody when we're kind of so, you know, savvy on the internet already that, and used to booking things online. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But the more that I found, I mean, of course they do have the high end, you know, your multi-generational travelers that maybe grandpa is paying for, you know, the whole family to go travel and, and they're going to African safaris on a luxury, you know, scale. So sure, I've got that traditional, what you think of. Yep. Um, but it's been really awesome in the growth that I've had with the young professionals, um, you know, maybe married couple with, you know, two or three kids and 
they're just busy, even if maybe one of them doesn't work or you may both do, but they just don't have time or, you know, the, I guess the like brain power to put to this when you're dealing with so many things in life. And dude, it's so true. You (laughs) sit down at night and you're just like, you think back at what happened in the day and there's just so much. And I have like, I have two kids. I don't know what would happen if you threw a third kid in there. I'm like, I can't (laughs) multiply my arms and legs and brain to cover what would happen with a third child in the mix. So you're right. right. It's totally something that working parents need. They can identify where they want to go or the type of vacation they want to have. And, you know, they probably could manage to get, and a lot, I mean, so it is fun. It's fun to plan travel, but it is another taxing thing on your brain and time and stress of transportation, transfers, does the hotel have how many beds in the room? Do we need connecting rooms? Are the rooms going to actually be connected or just adjacent? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's, so right. yeah, you're spot on when you throw kids into the mix. It's like a super brain suck. So you got it. Yeah. And I just, I just, you know, I, I don't think this is something that I thought about and you know, that I thought really existed in a way. And the more I've been doing this and getting referrals from these young families, the referrals that they give are just awesome. I mean, people like my clients are the best. I've just been really fortunate in that, I think. Um, But I just didn't expect it. And, you know, these, I love how like the moms and like, you know, they just need a little, you know, getaway sometimes. So they're booking really high end properties that are, you know, easily 500 to a thousand dollars a night. And um, it's not something that I just, thought that, you know, young people could afford, but they do because they work hard, they deserve a break and they're going to take it. <laughs> you know? Dude, so I'm, it's, I'm yeah, opinion. it's your money. You know, you, you decide what's valuable to you. And if sleeping for 24 hours in a hotel room that costs $2,000 a night is what's valuable to you, I go for it. If that's the reward <laughs> you want, you earn that money. So go for it. Totally. And I do get a lot of people who really haven't done it before. And they're like, oh, you know, we don't spend much time in our hotel room. We just, you know, we're doing other things anyway. We don't need anything fancy. And then when I put them somewhere nice for the very first time, they're like, oh, my God, that was totally the most amazing thing worth every penny. I can never go back. (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. That's awesome. And, and to have referrals is a real compliment to you. So good work. Joni, so um, we've heard a little bit about your experience and relationships with properties, which is super valuable, especially when you're dealing with this kind of level and amount of, these can be expensive investments. We want to make sure that we're getting the right product. And those experiences are valuable. But what if someone says to you, this is the property I have to stay at and you have reservations or you've actually been to that property and you think that, you know, those pictures are actually old. This is not actually what you want. How are you going to handle that type of a situation? I'm just very frank with them and I tell them those things, you know, I am not afraid to voice my opinion. I think um, a lot of agents that aren't, you know, maybe they just don't know and it's not their fault, but they haven't traveled as much or they just, 
don't have the time to do the kind of research that I do, um, might just say, okay, you know, but it's important for me that I am providing the right, you know, recommendations for these people. Um, so one of the examples they have is I had a, a couple that had come to me. They had, you know, heard about the Grand Wailea, and I love that property for families, especially multi-generational families, mm-hmm. um, you know, because it appeals to all ages and there's this great water park and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's not, you know, what I would recommend for a honeymoon, like a young, you know, mid to late 20s honeymooner couple. Mm-hmm. It's just too big. It doesn't have that kind of romance piece of it. Um, and even though there's, there is an adult-only area and a nicer tower and all that, you know, I still think there's so many other properties on, you know, the island of Maui and um, that they mm. would suit them better. Um, and sure. I'm just not afraid to, to say that. I think there was an actual discussion in one of our forums recently that somebody, you know, had said, oh, you should just do whatever the client wants. And mm. a lot of people were like, you know, had come back and said, but that's not, we wouldn't be doing them the justice of, you know, what we're good at, you know, and making those recommendations and telling them what we think, at least to give them the option and say why. Sure. Um, and these, this couple came back and they said, oh my gosh, I ended up putting them at the Ondas in Maui, which is actually just like right down the street from the Grand Wailea. And they were like, this is the best hotel we've ever seen in and we loved it. And you know, I'm st- we're so glad we didn't do the Grand Wailea and that's where she kind of always kind of imagined her honeymoon being. And mm. so, you know, um, that is important to me is to be honest. And, and one of the things that is, is really dear to me um, is I don't like to book experiences that I'm, I don't think are, you know, sustainable or um, mm. I'm, I'm kind of an animal lover. So sure. <laughs> when people tell me they want to, ride elephants or you know go play with dolphins it's painful for me and I just have to tell them in the nicest way you know that this is and it's it's really just educating because a lot of people don't know like I didn't know this before either you know that these you know creatures are kept in captivity or they're you know used the elephants they put the barbs on their backs to be able to have the saddle there to make it safe and um, you know, elephants aren't made to be ridden and, um, I, I'm just, I'm super against that, but the alternative that, that I provide, and I don't say no, you know, you're a terrible person or anything, you know, for wanting to do that. Just, people just She's don't know. not judging you um, to your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's really, it, I, I try to give the alternative. So like, if you want to have the dolphin experience, there are some awesome, you know, reputable tour operators that will take you out into the open ocean. And this is safe even for younger kids to do. You've got life jackets, you know, they've been doing this forever and they're licensed, you know, bonded, all this stuff that can take you out to swim with dolphins in the wild. And um, for the elephant experience, like I'm actually doing one, um, you know, coming up in Thailand. So instead of riding them, you know, I'm, I'm gonna be going out to a cultural village um, you get that part of it. So it's, it's a rural area. You get to hang out with the locals. Um, they have elephants that they use for farming and whatever. And instead of you huh. know, selling them off to the tourist trade and abusing them in that way, you know, the money that you pay to spend the day with the elephants, you get to bathe them, you get to feed them and hang out with the villagers. That 
goes towards, you know, these families that, you know, need it and may be looking for other ways of, you know, making that income by using the animals in a different way. So you're supporting the local community. You're still getting that super interactive, you know, piece with the animals um, and the cultural experience. Like it's just so much more and it's, about the same price as if you did go to a writing facility, you know? So um, it's important for me to tell clients these things and, you know, it's our responsibility in this industry that we make sure, you know, our practices and the things that we are promoting are sustainable and ethical. Um, So that's important for me and other advisors to, you know, be on the same page. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for, you know, thinking outside the box there a little bit. That's important. Totally. So then, all right, let's talk about uh, what has your most rewarding client experience been? Oh, my gosh. I really don't think I can pinpoint that. Um, I would say one thing, just to kind of talking about the referrals and stuff that just recently happened to me, I thought was so amazing um, and rewarding is, my one of my young clients that I'm talking about, you know, that say that like, you know, Pedregal and these nice hotels all over mm-hmm. um, referred me to her or referred her parents to me. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so cool because you would think it might be the other way around, um, you know, and her parents are, are you know, well to do and they actually are the ones who were a little, you know, not believing this and they do all their travel booking on Expedia actually and online and or direct. And they were like, why would we use a travel agent? You know, mm-hmm. that sounds crazy, but it's the daughter telling them, Oh my gosh, she can do so much for you. And, and then when they called me, he was still a little skeptical. He was kind of asking the questions and mm-hmm. um, they ended up booking Pelican Hill, um, which is one of my favorite properties in Orange County. It's in Newport coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just going to book it online, but I got him the fame rate, you know, cause they don't discount the yeah. breakfast, the comps, sent them a gift basket. When they got back, they wrote me the sweetest note, you know, thanking me for the, you know, and it's just something that they've never, you know, done. And now they're like, Oh, we can't wait to book everything with you. Oh, so so nice. I thought that was, yeah, just like a cool, you know, thing to have happened to kind of go the opposite way of what you would think would be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but but on that, you know, it is the rewarding parts are when I get those notes, when people come back and, and say, you know, we couldn't have done this without you or we had the best trip ever, you know. Um, yeah, I agree. It really I mean, is that. A paycheck I mean, is nice, but I ha- I love the notes. I have also received notes in the mail and I have received some gifts. I received a, a pasta of the month club one time Aww. for like six months. I'll tell you what, it was so exciting to receive pasta in the mail. It was amazing <laughs> and it was so awesome. good. Yeah. But I mean, not, not that I, you know, have this job in order to get client gifts, but the little notes, I, I mean, as in everything, a little note goes a long way. So that's awesome. Another one that I really loved was when I got um, Christmas cards from my clients. Yeah. And they had pictures from their trip. <laughs> yeah. Man, when you make so, the Christmas yeah, card just... list, you've done something right. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Cool. 
Um, let's talk about, uh, this is in the notes, but, you know, off the top of your head, if we were talking mm-hmm. about where would a family of five, someone that has kids, you know, under the age of 10, and they want to go on a luxury trip, in your mind, what do you ask them first, and what are you recommending to them? So, I mean, I kind of ask a lot of the same questions when I do my client intake, um, and it is, you know, what do you like to do? You know, tell me, I always want to get to know my clients, um, so it's, what are you looking for? Like, do you want relaxation? Do you want adventure? You know, what kind of travelers are you? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of my clients have fortunately been able to travel places and, and already know those things. And if they don't, so, you know, I do like honeymoons and stuff. So sometimes people haven't traveled. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is kind of just trying to bring that out okay. um, to say, you know, do you want like beach? Do you want city? Do you want, you know, cultural experience? And it's really just asking a lot of questions Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, to see what it is and, you know, how to make the best recommendations based on that. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, Yeah. So, Joni, let's talk about dining. We like to talk about dining experiences on this program because travel professionals are everywhere in the world and They've seen and tasted some wonderful things. So can we talk Mm -hmm. about, you know, what is your favorite foodie experience? Or maybe it's your most memorable foodie experience in the world. I love food. I mean, who doesn't? (laughs) So I like to say that I'm a (laughs) self-proclaimed foodie, but I think everybody just said that. (laughs) Um, I, I do think that food and eating and trying new things is such an important part of travel and it can be you know domestic like a couple of my favorite places and things in the world is actually in phoenix (laughs) how about that you have like this yeah it's crazy there's like this place it's called la santissima and um they have the best horchata in Mm. the whole world Okay. I've been to like, you know, all over Mexico a bunch of times and I live in, you know, LA, Orange County, San Diego, like down here, we have great Mexican places with delicious horchata, Mm. but no joke. This place in Phoenix has the best horchata (laughs) I've ever had. I think about it and I get it every single time I go there on my way, you know, from the airport and on the way back from the airport, I stop at this place. So there are... I, so what many makes memorable it the best? Like, oh my god! Okay, so first it's like humongous, like <laughs> the biggest orchata. So it's if someone hasn't had berries. it before, can you describe it? Oh. Orchata or yeah. this? Yeah. Oh, okay. Orchata is like a Mexican milk rice milk drink. Um, you served cold, and if you go to a restaurant, like a Mexican restaurant, you kind of see it, like. The next to like the bang and stuff like in the mm. that like I don't know what that drink fountain thingy that has like I don't know it's, it's like, like a square thing, but... and it goes down the sides. Yeah, like exactly. that thing or like yes. yes, or like in the like True Hood, it's like in those like plastic jugs <laughs> they yes. like ladle out. You know? <laughs> 
So there's different ways that you probably have seen it and just didn't know. And it's like they put like cinnamon and mm. some nutmeg and other spices in there. And, um, you know, some are better than others, but this one is special. They put cantaloupe, strawberries, some kind of like pecan or nut thing. Like, Whoa. I don't know. Something about this horchata just gets me and I love it. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's like a lot on horchata, but um, there are, I've had some really special experiences like, you know, Alinea in Chicago was definitely a highlight. You know, it's a three-star Michelin. It's mm, mm. super expensive, definitely like on the luxury scale. Um, and if you've done the, you know, the Michelin luxury dining kind of experience, it's like a show. It's like a, it's an experience in itself, like almost like a, an excursion or, or a tour, you mm. know, because it isn't something that you do. And it is one of those like lifetime type experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause people are like, why would I spend that much money just to like eat dinner? And I think like eating and dining is, is a part of any experience, you know, and you don't, it's not just that you're paying for really amazing food. It's, trying things and and experimenting with, you know, flavors and sights and smells and sounds and stuff. They incorporate so much Mm. um, into it that that's what you're paying for, you know? What type of cuisine was it? I can't even, like, (laughs) so it's like, you know, they call it, like, molecular gastronomy and stuff, but I can't even, like, say. Um, The flavors are so interesting and unique. Mm. And that's, I think, what makes it so famous and, and th- these types of things, like the experiences. And um, I'm going to be going to um, G- Gagan, I think that's how you say it, in Bangkok, which is one of the top restaurants in the world. Oh. Um, so the linea. But, yeah, so I'm going to be doing that. And I don't know. It's just, it is really just, it's like, it really is unexplainable unless you try it. And that's why it's kind of worth the cost of doing it. So um, I think that's one part of it. And I, I shouldn't say that's like my favorite or anything. It's just really memorable and unique. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. my favorite is okay. actually the complete opposite of that, which <laughs> is like street food, night market type, like hole in the wall. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I'm there with you. <laughs> I think can be just as you know, much of an experience and unique, um, especially because it is a lot of, you know, new things that you haven't tried before. And, mm-hmm. and it, and it's also experimental as well, you know, because of that. And I mean, those are the ones I really dream about, I think, <laughs> but um, that and meals, you know, with good people and good company and people that you meet traveling and, you know, those are the really unforgettable ones. Yeah, I agree. Now, um, someone that we're making drool in this episode is a discovery that I did not realize. We have a mutual friend, Matthew Waldron, who also Uh comes on here and talks about his crazy dining experiences, which I love to hear about. Um, One of which may have happened with you. Did he chew (laughs) on a sparrow head while in a market with you? It was like a duck neck. It was like a plate of duck necks and like duck feet, which we were, it was, and it was in a karaoke, like one of those Asian karaoke places. It's like a room that you rent out. Yep. Um, 
It was, I love Matt. He is awesome. He's so adventurous and <laughs> he's like this, you know, redhead, you know, white boy, which I love experimental, like adventurous eaters and just people who are just down for anything. Yeah. And, um, he is, I, I, I love that because, you know, it's like not a lot of people are willing to try things. And I think for me, it's like, okay, I'm used to seeing some of these things just in Asian and I've, I've seen those and I've mm-hmm. had things and mm-hmm. you know he's the guy that says what is the craziest thing that I can get here like I want the most bizarre yep. <laughs> so I'm like all right let's do it <laughs> and he just goes right for it you know most people are kind of a little hesitant looking at it asking questions about what it is and he doesn't ask anything he looks at it picks it up and just puts it in his mouth yes he does <laughs> and I love that um, we also went and did like a whole street food night and we got like regular things, whatever, but um, we ordered him chicken butthole and I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you say the rear end of a chicken? Yes. That's a real thing. Like the actual, <laughs> yes. It's kind of crunchy, fatty and not, I'm not talking about the, the tail part, you know, like there's like the tail part for yep. people who might know. Yep. I'm not talking about that. It's like actual butthole. <laughs> and he was chomping down. He's like, this is pretty good. Dipping it in like spicy sauce. I'm like, yeah, Matt. This <laughs> is it. so funny. I mean, everyone, I, yeah. I, everyone did it, which is awesome. Which And we were traveling with some other people. But um, I, think I just I love would that. Eat that. Like a, I would try would that. I mean, it may, as long as, it, you know, I would try it. The, so the thing that he talked about. He was my very first guest, episode one, and the podcast wow. was actually called Travel Agent Interview at the time, and he was my very okay. first guest, and the picture is him um, with, it's actually a fried sparrow, and it's uh-huh. it's literally a sparrow on a stick, and you can, you can tell, like, the feathers have either been cooked off or plucked off, and he has it at an angle, and he's, like, trying to, like, gnaw on the skull of the sparrow. So oh my God. Yeah. So I thought maybe that trip was with you, but so he, yeah, he goes for it and he just talks about eating things that are just, I mean, he's like, it was just a bowl of slime, but he's like, well, I didn't know. <laughs> maybe I was missing out. So I had to try it. And for me, I'm like, even if it smells good, if the texture isn't right, I can't do it. But when you're telling me like mm. a chicken butthole's crunchy, I'm like, I can handle crunchy. Slimy's not good. <laughs> But, you know, spicy sauce, that's cool. Like, I can try that. <laughs> I could probably find that picture of him. And it was also on a stick. It was on a stick. <laughs> I can find the chicken butthole on a stick picture of Matthew. I, I'll look for it and send it to you. Oh, my gosh. It's so funny. I, I never thought we'd talk about chicken buttholes on this podcast. But thank you, <laughs> thank you Joni, for, for putting yeah. the luxury travel podcast into perspective. <laughs> Well, that's that's the thing that I I think is so important about, about, you know, travel and dining and doing these new things is, like, you can go from, like, this super expensive, you know, really new and unique Michelin experience, and, you know, that almost takes you to a world on its own, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. to the street food, dining, like, you know, like, it's... I think they're so complimentary and so different in a way. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it does 
kind of the same thing, you know? So I I always want to encourage my, you know, luxury travelers to kind of step outside of that luxury box too and do those things and like tell them like, yeah, you're not going to get sick, you know, from doing this. Like it's totally clean and sanitary. Like everyone does it, you know, in the right places. Um, And if you do, like it'll pass. (laughs) For real. It's kind of a part of the experience. And when you do these like Michelin dinners and stuff, like, there are some really crazy ingredients and things that they put in there sure. that you pay all this money for that you literally could get on the street, you know, and it's just as bizarre and weird and whatever. But for some reason, when you're sitting in a nice place, you're more willing to do it, you know, but, you know, you can have that same experience or, or similar type of what it brings um, and that the, the feelings and, you know, the experience mm. that it brings. And do that. So I always try to kind of encourage both sides, you know, like there's, you know, have a really nice dinner when you go and travel and experience that and, you know, do this other thing for both luxury and non-luxury travelers. Sure. And I think that, well, a couple observations. One, if you find yourself sick, you'll be, and Joni planned your trip, you're going to go back to a really nice hotel room and they're going to take care of you. (laughs) So it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is I have had some of the best and honestly best plated meals coming from a food truck in Oxford here. I've been served on like Portuguese China from the, from a food truck. Like I ordered the national dish and apparently only when you order the national dish, do they serve it to you on China? But there's, they have little pop-up, you know, tables with little tablecloths and they serve it to you on China. Mm-hmm. And then you hand them back your dish and it's amazing. And wow. I don't know, coming out of a food truck, I was really impressed. So there you go. You'll have to tell me when I go to England next, I'm going to go there. <laughs> oh, yes. Before we close out, have I missed anything? Is there anything that you would like people to know going forward? Are you accepting clients? Um, yeah. So I, I am accepting clients. Um, you know, since I do luxury, it is mostly on a luxury basis, but, um, like I said, I, I do an intake for clients, um, usually over the phone. Um, but I do ask a few kind of initial questions over email. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it isn't something that I think is the best use of my resources and if it's not a fit, um, I'm happy to refer, you know, people who reach out to me to, um, other people in my network, you know, sure. I've got, amazing agent friends and colleagues in the industry that um, we definitely refer you know one and another clients that maybe they can better handle um, in a way that you know makes the most sense for everybody so um, yeah definitely you know welcome new referrals and clients um, you can reach me on my email jw at luxtm.com I think that will be posted as well and you can find me on travelsense.org okay great Yeah, I will put all of your contact information both in the show notes. And then if you're on the website, you'll see Joni's little face up in the top right corner as the travel professional on the episode. And you can click on that and contact her that way. Well, Joni, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And I look forward to talking to you when you get back from your Asia trip. And we'll talk about luxury travel in Asia for another episode. Perfect. Oh, wonderful. This is Megan Chapa of the Travel Radio Podcast saying goodnight.